the Shanky Town Radio Hour is on the air. I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. I'm Bob Schreiner. Gene George is in absentia, which is Latin for dude's not here. Uh, he'll be here in a little bit. He, I'm sure, will have a story for us as to why he is running late. The late and homeless always do. Yes. Uh, we have today a guest who will be with me at the Pop Hop in Highland Park on Thursday, February 7th at 7.30 p.m. for The Zine Table, presented by LA Zine Fest for LA Zine Week, and Razor Cake Magazine, and of course, The Pop Hop. Uh, she is a writer, an illustrator, artist, musician, driver, <laughs> and succulent expert. Is that is there a fancier word for that? Like cactician or <laughs> I think you would if you would say an expert on succulents, it would not make it seem like succulent was an adjective. Okay. Um, for those who are envisioning her as a cartoon pork chop right now, that is not our intent. Okay. Botanist. <laughs> there you go. Not not yet. <laughs> not quite an expert yet. Okay. I like to say desert plant specialist. And desert plant specialist, Adrian Chi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, you are part of the panel this uh, upcoming week for your comic zine, Bite the Cactus. Uh, I like to think of it as part tour diary, part observational humor, part cactus guide, because there is actually uh, some some stories uh, and some issues that's a, a guide to succulents, things like that. Yeah, um, that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, when did you start it? When did you begin writing and drawing and printing out? I think I started Bite the Cactus in like 2007, I think. But been you know doing cartoons for a lot longer than that. Yeah. And I think I made my first zine like 2006. So, or I guess yeah, 2006 or seven. Adrian was nice enough to bring some zines for us to peek at, and uh, she's checking them for dates, which I have to do with our podcast too. People ask how long we've been doing it. I have to look at iTunes. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's when. Um, you don't do that baby thing where you just tell them the number of weeks or months. Oh, <laughs> or fourteen months. <laughs> so happy with the way it's come along. I do that horse thing where I stomp my foot, and then that's how I'm counting. Uh, Adrian, what were you drawing and writing before Bite the Cactus? Drawing, um, just I, I've always liked drawing people a lot, and. I only started drawing a lot of cactus and botanical stuff in the last few years. But I guess just always been drawing people. I like drawing funny faces and stuff like that. Yeah, you have you're, you have very specific um, comic phrasing and, and definitely the facial expressions are, are, are a big thing too. Um, my favorite uh, being uh, excitable about uh, a certain snack item and <gasps> being presented to you, I think in an office environment, and and you not only 
presented that, but you gave your readers an opportunity to choose what the facial expression would be. Yeah. Because you weren't necessarily happy with the, the first one you drew. Yeah. So, <laughs> what, 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 how did you decide to, to crowdsource that? <laughs> well, I guess I test a lot of things out on my roommates and my friends before I put them on the internet. So, <clears throat> I, w- I think I was drawing the comic in my living room. My roommates were sitting around. I was telling them what I was doing, and they were like, Oh, that's not how you draw that. You have to be more like... And then they start, like, posing for me. So, I ended up drawing, like, ten different versions of me going, Say what? (laughs) And then I just couldn't tell which one was the best. So, let people pick. And were you you're happy with the final result that the that won the yeah, popular vote? I don't, I don't think the popular vote was the one I would have chosen myself, but <clears throat> that's why you gotta do it. Yeah. Was it by popular vote or electorate vote? Electorate. Okay. I guess. This is why we have to throw on the electrical college. Yeah, and the electoral college. Especially with the electrical college first. <laughs> I mix those two up. Um you grew up in Toronto, uh, or at least till, till your teen years, yes? Yeah, about 14. I moved right after ninth grade with my family. With two here in Los Angeles? To the suburbs of Los Angeles, Santa Clarita. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was that where you first fell in love with the, the desert uh, and, and all the plant life there? Yeah, I mean, living in the suburbs... Especially going from a big city to the suburbs was like really terrible shock to me. And so I just thought it was horrible out there and there was nothing to do until I started like going on trips with my friends and seeing all the amazing landscapes California has to offer. And then also at home, my dad planted a big cactus garden in our backyard and taught me how to take care of them too. So, yeah, it was definitely here. We had one cactus in our yard in Toronto that would, like, live through the winters. Just one, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm, from, uh, and Bob, I'm from Phoenix, and Bob uh, also spent many years in Phoenix. Um, were you at- 25 of them. Yes, yes. <laughs> if anyone's uh, curious, how many? <laughs> where there is lots of cactus. In abundance. Um, I actually recently tattooed... Uh, well, I didn't do it. A, a, an expert did it, but I... Paid for the services of getting, uh, as part of a design, and there's succulents on my arm now in honor of my, my desert heritage, I guess. It looks yeah. really good. Thank you. Thank you. Josue Acosta from Broken Art Tattoo. Okay. I recommend his services. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at a zine uh, with some great illustrations here. Um, and I don't know, would you say these are haikus? Yeah. Yes. Uh, would you like to read any of them for us? Oh, sure. Uh, it's a little zine with four cactuses and four haikus about cactuses. Um, my favorite ones are, I look up to you because you are old and wise and taller than me. So that would be for a really big cactus, like some <laughs> of the ones out in Arizona. Or ones with a lot of books on them. With a lot of what? A lot of books on there. Oh, yeah. Like if, yeah. 
Um, you wanted to put your library on, you know, take use of those. My mind does funny things. <laughs> and then another one is, my hands are a wreck, but you alone have my heart. Most noble splinter. Because you get a lot of splinters <laughs> when you're gardening with them, but I feel like, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. And that one I turned into a song. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about your musical projects. Uh, you sing? You, yes. You drum as well? Yes. Um, any of the stringed instruments? Yeah, I play guitar and ukulele. Mostly. Right. Now, I know that this uh, your your first foray into music was as a kid learning piano. Hating piano, though. Hating being forced to practice and it turning into a chore. Yeah. Yeah. So, see, like, my wife wants, when we have kids someday, she wants to make them take piano lessons. She, she wants to encourage musicality, but I'm not sure if mandatory piano lessons is the I think you have to sweeten that deal with something else yeah you have to make it kids. fun yeah I'm definitely glad I did it because I'm sure it's helped me now and I wish I had not stopped but yeah as a kid like gotten a lot of arguments about practicing and and you never really took to reading music you, you do mainly play by ear right yeah I mean like if someone's sitting with me and <laughs> Doing it with me, I can kind of do it. But yeah, mostly my own stuff is all by ear. Actually, the one I turned into a, the haiku I used for a song, I wrote that out. Oh, I brought that too. Wrote that out with the help of my friends who do read music. And then some people helped me record it. Some music people recorded it. That's why I needed to write it out for them. Yeah. We'll, we'll have some pictures um, and some snippets from uh, Bite the Cactus uh, up on shakytownradio.com. I'm curious, Adrian, would you, was, would there be a cactus you would recommend as the Ontario provincial cactus? The, as a denizen just, of... Well, because it snows there, I guess there's cactuses that grow in the mountains and live in snow, so one of those. Okay. We had a kind of a plentia, which is like prickly bear. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. And like, they'll freeze and die and grow back if they have good roots. We have Ike the cat making another cameo while we record. Bob, you know me. Testing that. Ike, Ike, it's friendly. I, I guess, as Bianca Berrigan can attest to, he's uh, overly friendly with our that guests. That woman almost had to get a restraining order on this tabby. Yeah. Um, so when was your first public performance of, like, in a, a band environment, or, or did you do solo first when you were... No, I started playing music with um, my friends in Santa Clarita and started playing drums for my boyfriend who taught me and I guess our first show was in Valencia in Newhall. I think it was called Java Junction's coffee shop that used to let us have shows and the most memorable thing I guess was that my parents came and they like they took music pretty seriously and I was like oh, this is my fun rock band like they won't care but they're coming 
But after they were like, oh, we didn't know you could actually play drums like that. <laughs> and they were, after that, they were really supportive of my music. Very cool. Yeah. And probably so thankful that you hadn't taken it up at home so many years prior. Actually, like, we had a rule in our house that you could play an instrument any time of night. Like, if you were playing, you were allowed to, like, play whenever but not like watch TV or not listen to music at night, but if you were playing, you were, it was okay. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel pretty lucky, that stuff. Now listeners, you just heard a siren. That of course uh, means Gene George is in the house. Uh-oh. By my work release program. <laughs> Through the magic of podcasting, he's magically appeared. <laughs> How are you doing, Gene? Yeah, I'm doing. Okay. Well, we can talk about this some other time. We'll leave it at that. I'm not gonna. I just want to say, so your parents lived in a salt mine, is that what you're saying? So that you couldn't possibly disturb anybody while you're playing music? Well, I think it was because my dad liked to play music. What's your dad play? Piano, late at night, and not be asked to turn it off. But you actually had to be playing, right? Like, not just noodling around. No jazz. No, no, no jazz. jazz. No, 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 no. It was all okay. It was all okay? Yeah. <laughs> Even jazz? I'm not yeah. down with that. <laughs> Um, Especially Jeff. <laughs> Speaking of new things, Gene being new at the table, uh, let's talk about some of. Uh, we always like to tantalize our audience with what we're enjoying at the table at the time. Bob, you brought cupcakes. Yes, I made some mini banana caramel chip cupcakes that I think are quite fetching, uh, as well as a little juice drink, a sort of tribute to the, an homage to the cactus, so to speak. Um, I've never tried to juice a cactus, so instead I just used jalapeno with uh, a little bit of parsley, uh, some blueberries, Granny Smith apples, kiwi, and some uh, Andrew pears. Thanks for asking. Yes, and I, I tell uh, what I, I heard cactus. By the way, I, I heard cactus <laughs> on the second time. I'm like, it's, it's, yeah, a little ammonia. It'll all make sense when you have a sip. I okay, think. Thank you. Have uh, chilled glasses here. Oh, chilled. Now these glasses were a wedding gift um, made by. Mazel tov. Uh, these were recycled. Oh, these, these, these are recycled. Um, got some condensation. Like uh, probably beer bottles or or some sort of glass. You know. There's a kick up on them. Oh, cool. So it's carbonated. Yeah. So. Uh, That's my archaeology training coming into. I think wine bottles. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe they were wine bottles. They have the. Yeah. Not, not beer that's bottles. The, that's the kick up. That's the kick up. I know they're recycled, from recyclable material. Yeah. Very nice. So. Corey Ham. Is it a dead one? I think we did this routine already. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly just can't tell them. <laughs> um, that's good. It's got a little bite to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, Adrian, uh, you uh, at this point are in a few different projects. Only a few of which we are willing to disclose in public. Let's talk about um, uh, Spokenest, which just did a three-city tour. Uh, like, you just got back from that, right? Um, last week. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, just the weekend a couple weeks ago. San yeah. Luis Obispo, then Oakland, then San Francisco. And this is a duo? Yeah. With you I'm, and Daryl? Yeah, I'm on drums. Daryl plays guitar, and we both sing... And we also just finished recording, so we're going to have a record out in the next month, I think. 
that our friend Andrew Schubert recorded and mixed, and he is an angel from Music Heaven. <laughs> I really believe this, because he's just like so willing to help us out with anything, and he's really good at everything he does, so we're really glad to have Andrew helping us out. this guy in Austin who is kind of a similar like just a benevolent figure in music and is just so many people have stories about him like just coming in like oh we were working at this studio and it wasn't going well and he just came in and of course he knew because he's who he is like he just the you know the engineer was just like oh hey how's it going and he just sort of like well, provided all the sort of like guidance and chemistry and all that was missing and so many bands have stories about him just like being and he never never charges and he was just like what up you know never just he's like Batman you know he's one of those just for, and for every band he's in that's so great he's like just start your own band don't tell me how good my band is start your own which is great because he's there willing to like help you record and then there was uh, a band that I'm close with that when they were recording their first record there uh, they were going to do it without bass their bass player quit the band and was like well let's just and he was like no you need bass for what you do it's there's a reason why it's a it's hominem with the word bass <laughs> so he just played bass on the record for them wow while recording <laughs> but it's just such a like he's and he's you know if you go to Austin he's just he's you know he's responsible for how you take it in and just always love those people and Music angels awesome. <laughs> want to make sure that they share the the knowledge. How, how are how are the folks out and on uh, on the tour? The the audiences really really nice and really great. San Luis Obispo is like kind of a younger crowd, but the guys who lived at the house we played were old friends of theirs. But yeah, the kids were they had a fun time. That was fun, and then Oakland. It's like a warehouse show and it was so nice like after every song every band everyone was just like Woo! so happy sounding just to hear music 
and all the bands were really good that night. And then in San Francisco, it was uh, the Thrill House Records anniversary party show. So it was like a fancy formal party and bands were really good. There was a, some friends of ours did a cover band of like Roy Orbison and Temptation songs and I love that kind of stuff. So that was really fun. Very cool. Um, you also, you, so we, we, we've, you know, established you, you perform solo, um, you have this band, uh, with, um, with Daryl. Daryl, who, by the way, uh, did the zine class that we talked about last year. That's actually how I, where I met Bianca and how I got sort of more involved with the zine fest stuff was through this, uh, zine workshop. Um, again, you know, this year there's more events happening in relation with the Zine Fest that we've talked about here on the show and Zine Week. Uh, Adrian will be on the panel, myself, Todd Taylor, and Jimmy Alvarado um, at the Pop Pop. And Where's that? It is... What is the address? What's the address, Brady? It's, it's on York Boulevard. Yes. In... Uh, it's, 50, it's 5002 York Boulevard. On the corner. I like to say it's 5002. Yes. I like, two. I like to say 1000. It's a cool little bookshop. I went there a couple weeks ago um, for a reading, and it was really cool. A lot of really cool little handmade books and handmade stuff. And it's, I don't know, like that area is getting really gentrified really fast. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of weary of going down there and like going to the new shops over there. And there's always the fear that you will be franchised. Yeah. It's true. But Pop Pop seems to, yeah, have a lot of good I things I really liked on. it. Very cool. So we'll be talking about, you know, we'll be getting more in-depth at that panel about uh, just kind of the, the how putting together zines and in the, in the intersection between zine culture and music subcultures and, uh, you know, DIY. <clears throat> What's the address of the, uh, the <laughs> intersection of zine and music subculture? You have to come to the panel to find out. <laughs> Um, speaking of music, and then you also have Hotel LaRue? Yeah, LaRue. LaRue, Hotel yeah, that, LaRue. That was a trio with my friends Jade and John, named after Kids in the Hall skit. Uh, ukulele, bass, and drums. But, Can I have the bass? Yep. <laughs> Actually, the bass player wrote most of the songs in that group. But now he is in New York going to medical school, so... We don't have that band anymore. Thumbs down to helping others through medicine. <laughs> yeah. You did some art school, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I did. But you did. You, did you graduate art school, or did you drop that to pursue your interests? I graduated, but my last semester I was in, I think, like eight classes in the world music program and one art class. <laughs> Yeah, you got you really got into Balinese music. Yeah. So so tell us about that. You actually took a trip to explore this, and you wrote about it. Yeah. Drew drew about it as well. Yeah, there's a group called Bratwangi that rehearses at CalArts. <clears throat> um, they've had the gamelan there since the '70s, and um, our teacher has been there for a long time, and he's from Bali. And so in 2009, the whole group went. The Bali to learn 
a really epic piece based on the Ramayana. It's like over hour long music and like practicing every day with his group in Bali. Um, for one month we were there and then we came back and performed it. And we still practice every Saturday. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So what, what do you think people misunderstand about world music? I know that for a long time, if you heard the phrase world music, I don't know, people kind of are, are snarky about that and, you know, just tend to think because world Peter, Peter Gabriel. I, I was going to say, world music means Ladysmith Black Bombazo on every 80s record that was made. Yeah. That's, that's what world music means to 90% of people, I think. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that term is weird just because it's implying that, like, anywhere other than America is, like, we're America. Everything else is different the rest of the world the rest of the world but I think that's a factual statement we are America and everywhere else is different from America (laughs) but if you were in Bali say you could say we're Bali we're Balinese everywhere else is different well it's more definitive I think like with America it's like the biggest I think the the genre lumping is the part of the problem because I used to know a guy when I was doing archaeology who would go to Thailand all the time and he would bring back all this Thai music. And <clears throat> it's what I, what I honestly think is pretty much every country has like country and Western music. Like this is what everybody listens to, the Hicks and the Sticks listen to, and it's all about the same stuff. And to me, that's the thing that I always think of. If, if I think anything of, of you know other music genres in other places, it's like everybody pretty much has the same kinds of music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... But he would listen to all these like Thai, like tearjerkers about you know mm-hmm. losing your water buffalo and <laughs> you know your yeah. wife left you and whatever happens in Thailand that makes people sad yeah. <laughs> or happy you know it's I mean it's it's folk music it's universal every, yeah it's pretty universal every culture every country right. I think has folk music I don't know about Antarctica Antarctica would they really have a population so theirs would just be recent you know science you know. Re- researchers singing Science songs balance. about, you know, barometers that stopped working. Or... Taking core samples of the ice. Right, right, right. Um, in Bali, like, most of the people I talked to, just in the town, were like, wait, you're here to play music? Why? Like, why do you care? <laughs> like, and they'd be like, I mean, I played it when I was a kid. My parents made me, but I don't play it anymore. It's... You often document these trips, uh, well, the trip to Bali and also the, the with the bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, your you'd gone on a tour. God equals genocide. Mm-hmm. That was the name of the the band, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you did a whole uh, tour diary zine mm-hmm. uh, and, and drawings from that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like anything I do that I would go home and or at the end of the day tell someone about, I feel like is worth making a comic about. Definitely. But I think that's a good policy. Yeah. <laughs> and people want to hear about the tour when you get home, and, and you want to remember the stuff that happened, so it's a good way to take, instead of taking photos, I guess. <laughs> right. I think that is a good policy. I mean, it, you know, because also, you could just, like, people like, how's, how's the trip? And you just like, have a thing. There you go. Like, just come back if you have any questions. I'll be here. Feel free. Look at the look at the look at the look over the literature. 
the highlights. No pressure. Yeah. It's like picking up brochures at a car dealership or something. Yeah. <laughs> just, just look it over. <laughs> um, speaking of those drawings, uh, and Libby Ward's a uh, usual member of of, of Shaky Town here, and she couldn't be here today, but she had some questions for you. Okay. Um, so I want to give her credit for these and not take it from my own. Um, she notices, you know, you do pen and ink. She wants to know uh, as far as your strategy for drawing. If you if you do pencil first, or you just go with it for pen. Uh, yeah, it depends. Like which comic I'm doing, the ones I do for Razor Cake, I don't use pencil because you always end up seeing it after. So I just I'll like draw it on a piece of paper and in ink, and then trace it like so that it fits well in the, all the panels with all the writing. Like I'll make the frames first and the writing first so I have all that figured out mm -hmm. and spaced out and then do the drawings on another piece of paper and, and then when I get the one I like, cut it out and glue it on. Very cool, very cool. Uh, what, do, what do you feel are the consequences of that and are their effects surmountable? The idea of imperfections in creative works. Mm -hmm. Although it sounds like you, know, you do have the strategy by laying it out first, so it's not like you're totally recklessly going for it. It's... Well, I probably waste a little paper that way. <laughs> I usually have a little pile of scraps by the end of it, so that's not very good. But is it the worst thing that you could possibly do? <laughs> probably not. I think in the, in the annals of... Uh, you know, crime, it's probably very, very low on the scale. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe if you were, like, a medieval monk and, and paper was, like, worth its weight in gold, you might uh, be chastised severely for that. Well, you gotta have, you know, your own limits and... <laughs> well, you could always theoretically repulp the paper and make your own paper. I should do that. Why aren't you? <laughs> I don't like... I'm disgusted with you. I've, like, moved <laughs> away from messy practices. <laughs> <laughs> messy, horribly distracted. Like, I used to uh, do printmaking a lot, and it's really messy. And it is. You need a lot of supplies. And don't do it anymore. And a lot of things that won't stain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and stones. Live and learn. Uh, Libby is also uh, wants to know more about Gridlin the Observer. Oh, that's my friend Jade's dog. Jade is in Hotel Rue with me. She plays drums. I I should keep going with that. Dogs are funny. <laughs> so you're allergic to them? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm allergic. Um, I'm allergic to hairless dogs because they are creepy. <laughs> hairless anythings are kind of creepy. I'll agree with that. Um, and then the also wanted to know more... Your, your last question, Libby. Uh, wanted to know more about your color work on Penelope's zine. Oh yeah, Penelope put um, put together a compilation of people's comics and printed it in color. <clears throat> and that was a two-page color comic I did. Just true story about my brother, my little brother, and his friends seeing like a, it was like an urban legend in Valencia of this guy that would walk around 
And when he saw you, he would start swinging his arms. And it, yeah, it's in there. I made, I made new copies of it, not in color, unfortunately. It's so much more expensive yeah. <laughs> than black and white. It's like 80 cents instead of 10 Unless, cents. as I pointed out in earlier shows, if you just do it at work. On the color <laughs> copier at work. You have one at work. Right. Definitely right. do it at work. <laughs> Does this legend have a name about Valencia? The mysterious arm swinger. Hmm. <laughs> No spoilers, Gene. I'm not spoiling it. I'm, I'm engrossed. <laughs> Gene is enjoying the story now. I'm reading it now. Are you a big urban legend fan? No. <laughs> I just thought it was... Like, there was... My little brother's like eight years younger than I am. And when he told me this story, like, he was really scared. And his friends were really scared. And I thought it was funny because... <laughs> I'm usually really scared really easily, but I was like, this guy just moves his arms in the air? Like, <laughs> what? Wow. Yeah. So the, your brother should probably stay away from population centers with a large Italian contingency. <laughs> People that speak with their hands? Yeah. The... Well, this is a few years old, so he's grown up a little okay. bit. What, now, so what age was that? I think it's probably like three years ago, so it's 16. Oh, see, that's, I would expect, that's the kind of urban legend that's Seems to me like like a fourth grade level, fifth grade. Level. I don't know, because I was just thinking like every, I, I don't even know. We, we may have talked about this on the show before. I know I've talked about it with uh, Megan, uh, my wife, who, who grew up in in San Jose, and for a while in Pennsylvania too. But we were talking about just how every town has a running man, like or, or some like walking person, like oh, it's the woman who walks all in white and nobody yeah, knows where she's true. going. Or yeah. the guy who's running all the time. And like in... Now I have goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. It's chilling. So I start thinking about there's more. I know like that. Yeah. Well, there's there, in our neighborhood, well, <clears throat> in Pasadena, there was an old guy who um, would, uh, he was like a transvestite. Mm-hmm. He would wear like a ballet tutu and a turban, but it was obviously this old man. And he would walk everywhere. Uh, I think he's passed on since, but there were all kinds of like rumors about him. And, like he used to be a professor at Caltech, and you know whatever. And, and it's you know, he went crazy or something. That's I think that's the plot from Real Genius. I think it is. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but there's a oh, there's a guy in our neighborhood who he bikes. He, he rides tends to be like an older gentleman, and he's always wearing like you know short shorts, no shirt, and he just rides around the neighborhood like. It's obvious he's writing for exercise you know, or, or some sort of obsession to keep the demons from eating the core of the earth or something. Right, right. But, you know, he's just like this piece of beef jerky that rides around and around and around. It's funny because I feel like, yes, every town has one of those people, but I feel like Phoenix, where Brody and I are from, has <laughs> like a relocation program for them. Yes. Because there seem to be like 200 of those guys there. Spread out yeah. through. Yeah, it's not just every town in a relatively every homogenous well, metro. Well, it's every neighborhood in Phoenix. Right. right. Yeah. You've already talked. My favorite laundry shake is my favorite. That's I can't remember what it, when it must have been like maybe the second time you were on the show. You talked about that, but if it, we'll have to figure that out because that, that's the mini sode called "This Leader Tape Is Blue," um, and it's available now on our archives. There you go. You can search Shakey Town Radio. God bless on you iTunes. for caring about what things happen on this show. <laughs> this is what I was talking about, the documenting and looking up those dates and knowing that thing. Some of it sinks in eventually. Um, My life is always missing an archivist, so thank you. <laughs> I used to think-
Opening up the show was Ghost Song by Hotel LaRue. Then you heard Leave Me by Spokenest. This is Something Needs to Happen, which is a solo song of Adrian Chi Tenny. And the show wraps up with a song I really enjoy, Out in the Desert. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. Hi, this is Keenan Marshall-Keller, and I'm from Jordan Books, and you're listening to Shakytown Radio Hour. Are you at liberty to speak about the other projects? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you about them, but I didn't want to give you an example of some. Fair enough. The, there's a joke band, I guess, but I enjoy it, but it's silly. It's Hank Williams is what it's called, and it's Hank Williams covers with um, segments where we rap about smoking weed. <laughs> so not too far removed from Hank. Hank Williams Sr.? Oh, Yeah. Well, he has some pretty dark lyrics to begin with. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's fun. Hank I Williams Sr. is awesome. I mean, yeah. That's, when I think of country music, that's the country music that I heard growing up before country became pop. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, yeah. from Marty Robbins and your, your Hank Williams. Marty Robbins is awesome, too, because he's so cheerful, and he sings, like, you know, the most cheerful songs about dudes getting their liver shot off from under them. Right. When, the, the kind of underlying thing about that genre for me as a kid was, like, all these guys have guns. Yes, they do. And Marty Robbins is sort of like that flashy, like, hey, kids, here's a gun. Don't play with it, but I got it. Yeah. Conversely, Hank Williams is a little more like... There's a gun under the seat, and you know it. Someday this might be my exit plan. Just wait. But liquor got I'll it never first. get out of this world alive. Right. Dank Williams has performed uh, only on a special occasions, yes. Yeah. We played on a Halloween show at my house, and basically the whole band was made out of my roommates and one, one, one other friend. And then we played just as a two-piece at a art opening. Pretty funny. What date was that? I, it was 420. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, you'll hear uh, some of these music projects throughout the show, and we'll identify the songs at that time. Um, you, when you said made up of roommates, I, I, I it's was, Halloween. I, was, I think we went to the same place that you did. That. Yeah, well, because I saw the one you did about about band costumes and and, and outfits, uh, wardrobe as a part of band oh, yeah. presentation. Yeah. The, the the zine you did about the yeah. comic about that. Um, and the, my favorite as well was the trash. You you described them as trash bag superheroes. Yeah. That was. Um, I'm trying to remember what band that the was. The Leeches. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they were really good. They just had like, they looked like, you put trash bags over them and they looked like kind of like beetles or bugs or something. But then they're really rocking out. Yeah. <laughs> I would think that would get sweaty. It's worth it. Yeah. It's part of it. It makes it more exciting. If the beetle doesn't perspire. Do beetles? I don't think beetles sweat. It'll overheat and shut down. Beetles never let you see them sweat. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, who, who pioneered that whole uh, musical costume? Like, I, my mind went to Devo, but then I thought, well, Kiss came first. Mm. I mean, Beatles or whoever, like, wore... But Kiss ripped corded. off the New York Dolls. Okay, okay. Just to be... I mean, that's not important to me, but I just fucking hate Kiss. Well... <laughs> I, hate, I, I, I It's Gene Simmons. I hate Gene Simmons. He seems like everybody's asshole uncle. That's, yeah. that's, that's exactly like he's, he's got a little money and he wants to talk about it and at every party at every family gathering he's like and we were in the hot tub and there were some models and blah 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 and he's just like oh god shut up Uncle Gene just go even Hank Williams had that big suit with all the musical notes on it okay yeah it's pretty costumey that's true I mean there's certain hair and makeup and clothing coordination but as far as like outright like theatrics like your trash bag superhero leeches or um, your Devo red cup hats. Right. I feel like Kiss was first. Well, then there were like some. Well, Alice Cooper. I mean, first to make the, it the Coop was before that, and then of course New York Dolls predated, predated Kiss. But a lot of, I mean, it was very popular in the '60s because for bands to go very oh. thematic and costumey because we had so much of that. I mean, if you think about like the bars and restaurants people were going to, like those themey sorts of things were very like big, like tiki bars or bars that were like an you know like an old. Ship from the 1500s, right, right. or you know, all all of our TV and our media was like on location. Like, oh, there's Hawaii Five O. It can't just be. It can't just be a, so, a place. It has right. To be so I think that that transferred theme. over to music, where bands sort of being like, oh, we're this sultany themed something or other, where we're just wearing a lot of linens and. You didn't you send me the clip of Jack the Ripper? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Screaming Lord Such. Yeah. Which is great. It's so amazing when you see him perform. This this Screaming Lord Such was this English guy who would dress in this really um, kind of garish and scary sort of getup, but he would always perform like he would just have this Herman's Hermit sounding band just sort of playing, and then he would stumble out in his you know greasy hair and he had white you know like face paint. He would just get in. He would go right up to the crowd and scream, and they would completely. It was like you know, it was like seeing like the the audience in a horror movie that was very effective. Like people were really terrified. I feel like having a costume, like if you're gonna do your performance in a performative way, like having a costume sometimes makes it easier to like get into a character. And I definitely have a lucky shirt. I play shows with. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that the, I mean, every, I, 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 there's. I'm sure there's a lot of like superstitions, but I think Devo is an example. They they were kind of a performance art yeah, absolutely. act from the beginning. You know. And they weren't really looking like any thing. You know, right. it wasn't like, oh here's a bunch of pirates or here's a bunch right. of yeah, 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 yeah. it was just like, yeah. wow, these guys are wearing rector pads and, and rain vests and yeah, boiler suits and right. stuff. Are you yeah. guys thinking what I'm thinking though for Adrian's next musical for solo performance? Giant cactus costume. <laughs> People have suggested that before. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that would be hard if you're sore would be the arms, because you'd have to play a certain. Yeah, if you're singing and somebody else takes the instrumentation, you could like wedge a guitar or something. That's yeah, but you can keep those. But those arms don't have to be brisk. No, they don't have to be <coughs> stiff. You can have loose, limber arms. I'm assuming hollowing out an actual saguaro. And oh, okay. Well, you always want to take it. Verisimilitude is important. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that would be epic. <laughs> and would require so little water. Yes. <laughs> All your band would need is a little sunlight. 
But you would have to find the saguaros that have the strategically placed uh, holes in them from the from the birds, because otherwise you would, you would suffocate. Right. Now like it's trade offs. Dressing up as people, like for Halloween, I was Sherlock Holmes. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Which old school, like uh, Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes or um, Jeremy, Jeremy Brett, Brett. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. Because dressing up as as Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes would be like I just put on a jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Must my hair a little bit. Like Whited out my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> now, while you may not be in costume at LA Zine Fest, what can we find at your table? May not. Well, she might. I made a handful of zines for the Zine Fest, um, including a cactus haiku art zine that it's also like a paper. It's like origami too. You can oh, make yeah. a little stand, stand up like that. Nice. I made a how to make a zine zine, how to transplant your cactus zine with the steps, how to write a pop song. This one is a silly joke. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Ghost song zine, which is a little zine that goes along with the song in a, the Hotel Uru CD. Ghost song, which you'll, you, you have heard or will hear, depending on what time it is on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, the Mysterious Arm Swinger Urban Legend zine. I reprinted that. And a couple more. Oh, Succulent Garden I Tour. I definitely recommend the Succulent Garden Tour. This one is not a joke. I'm very serious <laughs> about this one. But you could theoretically enjoy it ironically. Yeah, it's fun, but not a for joke. You, for you hipsters out there. Very hip. <laughs> this is my hippest scene. <laughs> it works on a lot of levels. Um, and you, you, as you did mention, your your work also appears in Razor Cake. Yeah, Daryl works for Razor Cake too, so there's that connection. Yes. Scene, scene connection. Yeah, they let me do a comic every issue. Quite an honor. I have to work hard on that. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that that's where uh, most your 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 work is mostly known from? Is from the Razor Cake guy? Maybe I don't know. It's hard to say because like most of the response I get is just from my friends who have gotten copies I've given them more so than like people. I think like once somebody came up to me and was like, "I like your comic in Razor Cake." And I was like, oh my god, really? But <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Daryl's, both Daryl's grandmas have subscriptions to Razor Cake. Oh, that's so awesome. And his dad's mom just emailed me last night, love the comic. And that was the first, so <laughs> must be doing something right. Yeah, you have the support musically from the folks. The, yeah. the, the in-laws, it sound like, are... are uh, they love Razor Cake. Are supportive, yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's a good uh, good support network to have. It's better than palpable waves of hate. <laughs> it's hard to not censor myself, though. Right. Like, Grandma's going to read this. I can't talk about doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but you can always blame it on a character. I don't know how old's your grandma. How old are they? Yeah. 
They probably on a lot of drugs themselves. If they're yeah. over a certain age, they probably understand. And you just have to remember, Mrs. Bukowski at some point probably read Ham on Rye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it's like... God, I'm a terrible parent. <laughs> I think about it, but I try to not let it affect it. Yeah. But I definitely think about it. Having children is, the, is an adventure in self-centership. Censorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and self-centership. <clears throat> yeah, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. We were t- at Trader Joe's getting into the car, and uh, there was a an old man sitting at the bus stop. Um, I, would, I was going to say an older gentleman, but uh, something happened to him or at him that caused him to l- lay out a stream of cuss words. Oh, no. He dropped something on the ground, and I, you know, I'm like, yeah, got kids in the car. That was my first thought. Is there kids in my car? You just said a bunch of F-words near my kids. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Now, I don't have kids, but I just feel like if I did, it would just be easier to get it out of the way. You know, like, <laughs> hey, kids, here's some words. Say them with me. Say them loud. Have a lot of fun with it. And then let's just get on to maybe watching Adventure Time. Aside from the, yeah. Rather than the, just I sort of always sort of, sort of like guard and wait for like, that's, oh, that's I was. The, that's the same approach as, oh, you want to smoke? Smoke this whole pack. Yeah. Then see no, how much you like it. No, because I don't really, I don't think I would really discourage kids from swearing. Like I would sort of have to set rules of like, <laughs> look, you understand, with me you can use this language, but you can't with everyone else. See, that's the problem. The problem is, is, is at, at the age that Matilda's at now, she will use it. And she will use it as a crowbar when it's a, when swearing to me is a rapier. It's it's something that you use sparingly when appropriate, and she has that does not have that control. I don't have a problem with her swearing later on down the line when she if she knows when to do it right. But I want to have the, that you know conversation and not some dude on a bus bench who <laughs> you know saying yeah. motherfucker stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah, you hope well, that it's well placed, but you know what you're gonna yeah. your daycare teacher will be like, Oh, your son said by cock <laughs> to his teacher today. You know? exactly. Okay, now the grandmas aren't gonna be able to listen to this interview. You guys have ruined it. <laughs> oh, have grandmas never cursed? <laughs> I think it's a spirited debate about the If they will send me a notarized statement saying they've never used profanity, I will recant everything. Some grandmas said. probably can do that, dude. Because they're magical. No, I'm not bluffing with the offer. I will. I know for a fact. Well, I know for a fact that my my, you know, grandma, my maternal grandmother who died in the '50s, who was a almost a vows in a teaching order, Catholic teaching order, and used to yell at cops for giving her parking tickets. I am absolutely certain that she could curse a blue streak if she wanted to. I have to ask my mom about that. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she was all like, Mother McCready, Jesus, Jesus crackers. <laughs> Which I give her like a broad Irish accent when she was from St. Louis. <laughs> and mostly Pennsylvania Dutch. So. Hmm. Curious. Must have been the whiskey. Could be. I don't know if she was a drinker. Everybody else was. She asked about that too. Cursing, for or against? For? So, I'm for it because I can't really help it. But I think it's interesting, like, now that I'm almost 30 and a lot of my friends have kids, they still curse as much as me. And for some reason, I was like, but you have a kid. I thought you'd stop cursing. <laughs> they still sound just like me. And I think, I think that's interesting. It's, I think it's changing. 
it's becoming more normal. Yeah. My, I think that then it loses its power. That's yeah. the thing is cussing is something you do, I think, is something you do when it is, you know, necessary. But then again, if you were to read your transcript sometime, you'd be like, well, maybe not. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I completely agree that, that it, barring like some other thing. Well, I, I fixed the sink the other day. I fixed a, a, a pernicious leak in my sink and I cussed like Darren McGavin in A Christmas Story. Yeah, but you never called it pernicious I, I did in not, the act. I did not call it pernicious. I called it everything else. Insolent? I didn't call it insolent. So sure you didn't. But I cussed like a mofo. Sure. That's a euphemism for motherfucker. No, mofo the talking gorilla. Oh, sorry. Um, new, new sign language. Hmm? Yes. Um, Adrian, you, you've been on tour. You, you, you're doing this LA zine fest. Have you visited any other or tabled any other zine events? Uh, I sat at the Razor Cake table last year at the Anarchist Book Fair. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're, we're, that was poorly organized. Let me just say. Really? No, it's just the anarchist book. That that does remind me of when I found out there was an anarchist kickball league. Uh, this was in Phoenix, or it was in Tempe. I was like, how does that work? Because there's rules to kickball, but it was explained to me. That's not what anarchy means. Center for the Arts Eagle Rock had a like a zine, zine little zine. Oh, that's right, the mini comic year. mini zine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> they shared a table with Marcos Syra There, it's another really good artist. So, what would you? How would? You, what would you recommend to people who've never been to um, an event like this? Or like, what would you recommend about it? Like why to go? Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's probably local artists and like people making stuff that care about the stuff they're making and are there to talk to you about what they're making and give you ideas and inspire you trade with you yes trades are good we will be accepting trades. I was just expecting something like bringing sack change yeah <laughs> that was a good answer <laughs> um so you have a lot of stuff in print. Uh, you aren't necessarily plugged in to the whole social network, like Twitter, Sphere, things like that. But we can I'm really bad at that. Yeah, but you, we can find you and your comics at facebookcom cactus. Yeah. <laughs> which I highly recommend because you can see a lot of the great comics there. Um, you uh, are in Razor Cake, which you can find their site at razorcake.org. .edu. And they post web comics too. Cool. And um, what, what other events and fun things you have coming up? This, well, there's LA Zine Week and, and our panel uh, at Hop, Hop, Hop. I keep mixing Hop, Hop, Hop. Hop, Hop, Hop. Pop, Pop. Pop, Pop. Pop, At Pop, Pop. And, uh, and, and at LA Zine Fest. What, uh, what other dates should we look for you at? Spoknest has some shows coming up. I think the next one is February 15th. Um, we have Spoknest is on the internet too. So that works a little better than my brain. And then there's an art show at the uh, LHS in Pomona. It's a venue that has a lot of shows, but this is their first art show. 
they're doing. And it's, I have some space and a bunch of other artists are going to be there. That'll be really fun. I love that venue. Yeah, it's kind of far, but it, like every show I go there is really great and really fun and like great environment. But everybody goes to Pomona for the fair. You can go to Pomona for, Pomona for something else. Yeah. You go there for like deep fried butter sticks or whatever you get at the fair. <laughs> I've never been days. to a fair in Pomona. Really? Never have. Wow. In the four years, nine months that I've lived here. Right. Just assume everyone's been here forever. Then again, if there was a fair across the street from my house, I would Probably just close the blinds. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Your <laughs> grandmothers are listening to this. Sorry. I think that's the last weekend of February. Okay. Cool. Well, Adrian Chi, we appreciate you coming to Thanks for having Shaky me. Town Studios. So again, check out facebook.com slash bite the cactus and facebook.com slash spokenest. Thank you. Yeah, um, we'll see you at the Pop Hop on this Thursday, February 7th. Uh, Bob and Gene, thanks as always. Sure. So until next time, I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. I'm Gene George. Still Bob Schreider. Hey, Adrian, we have some peanut butter cups. You want some? Say what? Standing in shadows, shelter from the dizzy sun and holding my hands are a wreck, but you alone have my heart most noble splinter.